Hello, livestock friends, and welcome to this edition of Before the Bid. This is a podcast dedicated to the livestock sales industry where we go behind the scenes of the operation and speak straight to the sellers. We discuss topics about the important aspects of their operation, location, the people behind the prep work, and talk about some of the animals that will be offered to you, the prospective buyers. Hopefully, you've got your sale catalog close by. You might have to go look through that pile on your desk. But if not, then you're probably like me and driving down the road or busy with chores around the farm. And that's okay, too. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you enjoy this segment of Before the Bid. I'm your host, Andy Howell. Welcome, Livestock Friends, to this edition of Before the Bid Podcast. And Before the Bid Podcast, we've got a few firsts uh, here on this podcast. One, uh, we're going to Texas, which we did uh, earlier in the week. But uh, we're going to talk Texas cattle, and we're going to talk American breeds on this Before the Bid Podcast. And we haven't done that yet. And I am talking to a guy that uh, I just met here just a little bit ago. And we are doing our first face-to-face uh, Facebook Messenger uh, podcast. And so that's really good. And, and he and I have talked a little bit here beforehand. And, man, this guy has got a story that uh, I, I want you to hear. And and uh, and he's got cattle that are really, really good. And, and I, we want to talk about that. He's got a sale coming up on June 7th. It is on SC Sales. And it is called the QB Cattle Company Breeding Stock Edition. Now, this guy, uh, he's more into the club steers, but this time he's going to uh, let out some of his females and, and some of the genetics that he said he dreamed about and having. And so he wants to offer them uh, to you guys. And, uh, man, this guy's got a story. Uh, he, he started out as a quarterback in high school, went D2 quarterback, Ended up at Texas A&M, and he is a linebacker uh, at Texas A&M in his football career. And he, uh, after his football career and his college career, he ended up at the V8 Ranch, and he worked the uh, the show barn at the V8 Ranch. And uh, I've heard a little bit about this story, and we've talked a little bit about it. And man, it is uh, it is an interesting story, and I want to try to bring that out of him for you guys just a little bit here. So. And uh, and this is a second for him. He's already a podcast guy and uh, already been experienced in the podcast world. So uh, he's taught me just a little bit, and, and I'm very excited to uh, talk to my guest on this edition of Before the Bid podcast, Colton Thigpen from Sweetwater, Texas, which is in West Texas. And uh, we're going to talk about some American cross cattle. And uh, Colton, how do you how do you name a operation qb cattle company yeah i get that a lot um usually normal people will do it by their name or initial or brand or something like that right i i came up with this in seventh grade and it turned into my brand and company uh i'd always played quarterback and i thought that there was nothing wrong with go ahead and Going to play for A&M and being the Dallas Cowboy quarterback after that and buying a ranch and a few cows, and uh, we just named it QB Cattle and roll on. Um, once I actually started acquiring my business and thought that it was pretty cheesy, I went ahead and just rolled with it, left it like it say, says QB, and um, it actually stands for Quality Bread. Uh, had a little slogan called Leader of the Ring, but 
we've rolled with it ever since. And, and I don't know, it's, when I walk into the feed store, everybody says QB. So. Well, that's good. It's not not quarterback, even though uh, that's – and, again, being a quarterback in Texas high school football, that that's a big thing. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, it's something I always dreamed about, so I never really thought of doing anything else. All right, so you were gonna gonna play for the Dallas Cowboys and and buy your ranch that way uh, as some have just, and, and just small uh, things, yeah. Just didn't quite just didn't quite pan out, huh? Yeah, uh, God took my path a little bit more crooked, but it was still a fun one. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So you started you went you went D two. Tell us this quarterback thing or this this football thing just a little bit. You started out D two as a quarterback, and how do you end up at A and M as a linebacker? Just about how. I grew up in a commercial operation and end up raising show steers. I decided to do things a little backwards. So, <laughs> yeah, I was I was playing quarterback and, and doing all the recruiting stuff. And my junior year, I was actually at a private school that ended up getting in trouble, breaking some rules and regulations, got kicked out of taps. So going into our senior year, we weren't going to – every game was going to be forfeited. I went back to where I grew up. For my senior year, we had a really good team. I was actually excited to go back to those guys. But they had a two-year starter at quarterback. And um, so I just kind of went in and played a little bit of everything. Still ended up getting a scholarship, but D2 to uh, play quarterback down in Kingsville. Um, had an opportunity. Wanted a starting job down there in the third game of the season. Broke my jaw. Put me out. Come back in spring ball that following spring. And... Um, Got my spot back, rocking and rolling on top of the world. Very last scrimmage, second, third play, blow my ACL. Oh, so wow. I'm sitting there. Uh, uh, I had, had a long-time girlfriend, but long distance, and she's getting ready to go to a and I'm two years ahead of her. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know what, I'm just going to go big or go home. Started looking in to A&M, seeing if there's any opportunities. I saw they had a walk-on tryout. Trans transferred to the school, got in, walked on. There's like a hundred and something guys, and two of us made it. And um, they they said, look, you know, we see that you play quarterback. We're, we have Drod starting. We have Tannehill backing him up. Um, there's a couple other scholarship guys. You're more than welcome to still play that position, but seeing the field, they're going to have to get hurt. You're, it's not going to be a battle. And I said, you know, I am i don't have much time. I've already burned tears of eligibility, so whatever, wherever you need me, I'm game. I'm just glad to be here. And right. started out at safety, which was cool. It was real cool until the first day of uh, full pads, we were – we had helmet practice that morning, and that evening we're going full pads. So we're all jazzed up, leaving the helmets practice. Coach Sherman, who's our head coach at the time, stops me in the parking lot, and he's got the strength coach with him. And I'm like, man, what is going on here? <laughs> it's all, it's always great when those guys meet you, especially in the parking lot. They have a little private, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've been over here. I got a, a small school friend to walk on, and – and I just played a prank on him that he got cut. And so now I'm thinking, oh, what's, what's, what's ha happening with me? And he said, hey, Thigpen, uh, we think uh, Coach can put a little bit more weight on you. We want to move you to inside linebacker. What do you think? I said, I'm game. Awesome. Let's roll. 
He said, all right, go to your uh, position meeting with that win. You won't go to the safeties meeting. You'll go with uh, Coach Win from now on, the linebackers meeting. I turned around, and I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I, I, I guess I fooled them thinking that I'm good to go, but I haven't played linebacker in my life, and now I'm going to walk into a meeting room with that win and pretend like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> right. A uh, little bit of a mental change from going quarterback to linebacker and kind of opposite going D2 quarterback to D1 linebacker. But it was, man, it was fun. Um, that that guy is one of the best there is. I don't know if you are familiar with him down there, but he's like a Texas legend. He was Texas high school football star, A&M. He was the guy that brought in the wrecking crew, and then he was a – uh, starting linebacker for Dallas Cowboys and ended up getting hurt uh, early in his career. But he helped me tremendously, um, and it was it was a fun ride. First guy I meet on the team is Von Miller. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it was it was cool. I didn't even know who he was. He's wearing some goofy glasses, and I look up at his deal. He goes to his locker, puts some shoes in there, and it says All American. I'm like, I guess he's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's probably somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, they knew you already knew what the quarterback was thinking, and what yeah. he was going to do playing that. So uh, you you think that helped you a whole whole lot? Oh, for sure. Especially um, just learning learning the defensive side of the ball. All I had to do was learn terminology because I'd been studying the defensive side of the ball on film right. and how to beat it. And so now I'm just I know the concepts and just picking up the terminology and then. Once you get that, then you can play faster and kind of bait people. It was fun. Right. That sounds really neat. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> culture shock, uh, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And, and the mindset, that was the biggest thing, to to go from, you know, trying to move the ball down the field to fighting someone every play. It's just a big mental swing. And uh, we can we can uh, bring that over to the cattle business as well and – and uh, talk about that. Uh, if you would, and, and you can talk about some of that here, tell us a little bit about, uh, w we've got some history things that we want to talk about, but, but tell us a little bit about the history. You say you started in seventh grade, and kind of walk us through some of that to where you are now. Yeah, on the cattle side, growing up in small town South Texas in, in Hondo, I grew up loving God, loving my family, and past that there's football and cows, and that was the things that was cool to me. I, I didn't really care about anything else. And so um, uh, I had, you know, we start sports in third grade and and the, the steer deal, I started showing in third grade also. And I was real competitive, but we had a family on sale barn. And so 90% of my steers, we got out of the sale barn. And we ended up... Um, having good success with them uh, we showed ex extremely well especially for their roots where they came from however uh, I was a little bit more competitive than that and so I always had a drive and something in me to, to breed them and make them mm -hmm. and whenever I graduated high school um, I still had that fire for the deal so I started uh, I had a little set of commercial cows I sold them Use the money and, and actually got a $5,000 FSA loan to uh, piece together my first little set of cows. Um, some people helped me. 
my ag teacher, Roger Welch, he had a set of cows, and he let me get one uh, bread cow out of there. And um, Brandon Horn, he he was instrumental in helping me get started. And so right out of high school, I had a little set of cows, and even through college and playing, I always had cows that, you know, dad was taking care of back at home, and I would, every break, I'd come by and AI and set stuff up around my breaks like that. Right. Let, let dad manage them while you were gone. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of grew up that way uh, as well. So, yeah. yeah. But you didn't, you didn't come out of college and go straight to, straight to your own deal. You, you uh, kind of went to uh, a big place. Yeah. So out of college, I, uh, I had a job with B8. So we actually played the, uh, a cotton bowl game on December 31st of 2011, January 1st, 2012, I was had boots on the ground at V8 and um, working for uh, Jim over there in Sloan and uh, was there for seven, eight years being the manager of the Showborn. And that was something that was, I remember whenever I first started over there, I looked down at my phone and I had, uh, uh, you know, you go to your text messages and uh -huh. it'll you'll have like maybe six people or threads that you can see. And it was Jim Williams, V8, my dad, that win, Mike Sherman, and Bob Hudgens of uh, Hudgens Cattle Company. And those were like, it was so surreal for me. I sat back and was like, man, I hope I never forget this. Just, you know, where God's taking me and the people who I'm sitting here texting and they're like, guys that I dreamed of. I'd never walked foot on V8 or Hudgens land. Uh, I never dreamed that I'd be playing for Brett Favre's football coach. Uh -huh. um, and here I am. They're all on the same thread text message. And it was a very surreal moment. And um, I am grateful for all the opportunities I had. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, they kept you pretty busy there at, at V8. Uh, some of us, uh, you know, some of us in the in the non-Brahma uh, or non-American breeds, you know, we talk about working or, or rinsing or whatever. And, and uh, I know my daughter's got like five of them out here or six of them out here. And, and I'm like, man, this is keeping me busy. But shoot, that was just kind of getting you started, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think the fewest we ever had in the show barn was 68 head. And that lasted for maybe a month. And the most we had was right at 110, 112. Um, and that's going to be anything from six-month-old wean calves to three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old pairs and bulls that are still on the show string. Um, and it was, it was neat over there because any day of the week at any time, you could have someone roll in and you'd need to catch those to show them off you know, guys from Venezuela, Colombia, Australia, Brazil, um, you never know who is going to to come. So not only did you have to have your, your A, A team for the show string ready, but you had to have every single one of those halter broken, being able to be presented to be sold to those higher-end customers. Right. And uh, with Brahma, uh, Brahma, sometimes their spirit – uh, that had to, uh, uh -huh. uh, you, you had, that had to try your patience, I would imagine. Yeah. I'm going to steal a line from Jagger Horn. He, I was like, Hey, is that one a little crazy? He said, she's not crazy. She just gets a little claustrophobic. <laughs> so, so I had a, I had plenty of claustrophobic patients that, uh, 
you know, those things really, they act more like horses and cows. And, and I love getting in the mind of animals and training and stuff. So I was, and I had some good help uh, there at the barn. Um, a couple guys that had been there for a lot of years and they showed me things and then we just worked well together. Um, but yeah, whenever you get 30, 800 pound screaming Brahmins in, it sounds like, one, it sounds like Jurassic Park because they beller so deep and then they're always just moving and kicking and jumping and, oh, it's, uh, it was fun. It, it was actually, that helped me. You know, you're so competitive and, and in sports for so long, and then it just ends. Mm -hmm. And that helped me still have a little bit of competitive drive because I got to fight beast every day, you know. <laughs> right. And so it, it was. It, it actually helped wean me off of my, my competitive lifestyle. Right. Yeah, you got running backs coming through you all the time, and you got to decide if you're going to stop them or let them go, right? <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Right, and and uh, so you got to uh, got to experience that and go out and do a lot of showing and have a lot of success with those guys and and uh, yeah, and it was it the success that they've had is is crazy. I was there, you know. People are like, "Man, you're doing a a great job. You're doing a lot of winning." I'm I would tell them, all I do is try not to screw them up. This place <laughs> they've been winning since way before I was ever even a thought, and so I just try to get the best out of them and. Um, I, I think the bulls and the cows more than anything, the ones that made them, because you have you know, cows like like 805. Every time we flushed her, she was sending some to the show barn, and they'd be winners. And I actually got to go out with the bang of first bull to ever win Houston three times, which you can only go three times. Mm -hmm. uh, just completed that this last year, and that was at 805. And then he was out of Noble. And Noble, ever since his first calf crop, his – the Kef champion got a piece of the whole show at just about every show we went to mm -hmm. from hit from the get go in 380. The whole seven years I was there, he had champion at Houston. Oh wow! So I I kind of got a special place in my heart for the the ones that helped me, you know. Right. Yeah. That's that's really uh, that's really a great a great story and 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 then it it helped you lead into. Uh, your your own operation or continuing your own operation. Before we go there, tell me about the blower story. <laughs> yeah, so so talking to this Yankee, he said, man, I bet it takes you forever to get 80 ready. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, there wasn't even a blower there. It was basically just training them to how not to kill people and, and to <laughs> like them. And so we were – We'd go to the wash rack, and then they air dry out in the sun, put a little conditioner and fly spray on them. Uh, the only blower that was at the barn was the one that I brought to mess with my steers. Is that V8 was also very good with helping me because I, you know, I had my little operation started, and at the time I went in with uh, with like five head of cows, and but I had built me about a 40 to 50 embryo bank. Um, I sold all the cows that I had built up through college, except for those top ones, and I used that money to go out and buy flushes from other guys' cows that I couldn't afford, but I could talk them into letting me buy a flush. And I would flush them my way, which they were okay with because it was to Americans, and they thought I was crazy for messing with Americans. And 
so I would flush for American and get the embryos. And so I went in there with the embryo bank, and they allowed me to uh, have a lease place. And so before and after work, I was working my own cows and, and bought a set of recips and put the embryos in and, and just kept flushing. And so my whole nucleus started from um, the best cows I could find and start flushing on. So 90% of my stuff comes out of an embryo program. And then, uh, and then you move that, and and uh, you're, you got uh, you got into the steers, and, and, yeah. And that was that's that's kind of where your where your love is, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was building the whole time was um, uh, was that that steer deal, and I was selling some steers as I went, but never had you know quite the calf crop that I wanted to. But I was always kind of gearing towards laying my foundation and trying to build the the best cow base that I could and, and that I could afford. Um, when just right at a year ago, right now, Sarah and I um, made the difficult decision to leave down there. We had planted a lot of roots, made a lot of friends, had a great church family, had a great work situation, um, but we had a little one on the ground, wanted to get closer to family, and so we made the move to Sweetwater, where she's from, um, kind of combined forces with her family's cattle operation. And so now we've really been able to expand. I went from transferring about 60 embryos a year to 150, 180, um, and running some commercial cows. And so now uh, I'm just I'm excited about the opportunity that we have, and, and it's been a great move for us, and, and we're just excited for what's to come. Well, that's that's really good. Tell tell us about the the family that uh, you you come from a, a cattle background and a livestock background, uh, not really yeah. a showing background and that sort of thing. But you've got a livestock background. She's got a livestock ground background. If you would introduce us to to some of those uh, people just a little bit, and and don't forget that yeah. little guy either. Yeah, yeah, you bet. <laughs> so so uh, my family, um, my grandpa started a. He's had some uh, sale barns, and I, I grew up kind of in the sale barn. I have a brother that's 10 years older than me. Um, we've always been showing, but never in the raising end of it. So my parents, I have a brother 10 years older than me and a brother five years younger than me, and they never got a break of not showing. And we started in third grade and went all the way through senior year. So it was like 30-something years oh, that wow. they had yeah. a show calf in the pens and had a feed bill. Uh, <laughs> Feedville, that's the important part, right? <laughs> yeah, they are. They are saints. You don't, you don't, you don't know about feed bills until you're, you're the one paying them, right? Uh, so, whenever I kind of started really liking raising them, my grandpa was like, "Those are the sorriest cows. That's a no good, barren-looking thing." And I'm like, "Well." I bought her for two thousand. There ain't no cow in the world worth two thousand dollars. <laughs> I said, "Well, I just sold her for five thousand. Well, that's the smartest thing you ever done." <laughs> then you were a genius, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so great. It, it 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 was kind of backwards, but I my parents um, were always very supportive of it, and and kind of helped facilitate you know me having that dream and. Um, then when I met Sarah, it was actually at the Houston Stock Show while we were showing steers. My teacher bet me I couldn't get her number. And <laughs> here we are, whatever it is, 15 years later. 
and uh, got little man running around, and he's fearless. We got a bull in the cell, Mufasa, who weighs over 2,000 pounds, and Lawson will run straight underneath him and not even blink eye. He don't care about nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but Sarah's family, they've uh, uh, her dad and his dad, they're lawyers by trade, but they've always uh, liked investing in land and they've liked uh, the cattle deals. They've always been in the commercial side. Um, Sarah's older brother is my age, and he kind of got into the steer deal. And so uh, Sarah's dad then kind of got the bug and would uh, put some cows together and try to raise some of their own. And um, so we, they, there was Lauren and then Sarah and um, Sarah's little sister Julia just got done showing. So whenever I came in, they had a, their show barn that was no longer being used. And we filled it up in a hurry. <laughs> and, and we've been selling steers and, and started a semen collection business out of there. And it's, it's been a really good deal. Good. Yeah, your, your semen collection business, that's something we hadn't even talked about yet. Do you bring a lot of other bulls in? Are you doing a lot of your bulls? Yeah. How, what, how's that work? Well, whenever, whenever it started, so I have a partner in that, uh, Jason Holder. And it started because he had a bad deal with FedEx. And he was trying to call up the food chain and, and chew some honey so he could get the deal straight and ends up talking to the owner of REI and they get everything settled. And he's like, well, you know, we're trying to do something in Texas and ended up a business opportunity. And we started, uh, uh, I started collecting my bulls, making sure we had all the bugs worked out and everything mm -hmm. was working right, you know, on my stuff. And, um, we got the process figured out and, then started rocking and rolling. We've been busy. Oh, we've had bulls boarding for other people and collecting ever since the first week of October. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of breeds, multiple breeds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, no, we're just not CSS certified, so we can't send stuff out of the states. Um, but most of our clients are are um, the club calf deal. We've done some buck and bulls and oh, wow. uh, some herefords. Yeah, it's been fun. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's that's another adrenaline rush. I never thought I would be doing that, but it is <laughs> it is a little bit of adrenaline rush. Yeah. Is there some of those bulls that come in there? And you're, uh, are you hey. are you long enough that you're getting bulls to come back uh, that, that uh, you've yeah. had in there before? Are there some oh, of them yeah. that you're like, oh, man, I can't wait till he gets here? And probably there's yeah. some that you go, oh, man, this is going to be one hey. of those days. Hey, the first, the first bucking bull we did, his name was Hunt You Down. Oh and wow! They named him. They named him Hunt You Down because of the way he acted. Uh huh. And oh wow! This this dude has two and a half foot bats coming off either side of his head, and uh, that was that was as close to my heart racing as walking out on Kyle Field as I've gotten. Oh wow! Since I've got done playing it, it but it was it was good. He's he's been a good boy. He'll ask you to leave if you've been there too long, but uh, it, it's been a been a fun business. So when he get when he gets here, he knows what he's supposed to do, and then you kind of get that done and leave, huh? Yeah, yeah, in a hurry. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Yeah, that's really neat. Uh, what a story you've got, and and uh, I do. We we are on we are on Facetime, and and to go along with what you talked about, the family, you got that sign right behind you, and and I just oh, yeah. can't help I just can't help for but hit on that, and and uh, yeah. it says if if you want to change the world, 
go home and love your family and uh quote yeah. for mother Teresa. teresa and uh, yeah i just think that's that i, I can tell that, that that's kind of where you come from oh yeah and that's you know i my competitive nature whenever i get a goal and i get focused um it's easy to uh i, I enjoy work so it's easy to get caught up in in being in the grind of things um and moving out here was was a very good thing and having the kid kind of changes your priorities as well because um man there's nothing like being able to come home walk into your house and, and have your family there and um and it does change the world we'd probably use a lot more of that in our current situation right yeah uh, i absolutely agree with that yeah but you have a sale on june 7th uh, called the yep. QB Cattle Company uh, Breeding Stock Edition, but this isn't by by far not your first sale that that you guys do uh, and, and have had. And and there's, you got a couple great stories. Uh, you do some some steer sales, and, and you've got this Heart of Champions sale, and yep. and that was one of the things when I was looking at some of your uh, Facebook stuff and and looking at some of your uh, website stuff and, and that sort of thing. You've got this Heart of Champions sale, and you involve these young people. And yeah. and it's not it's not whose family whose whatever can pay the most for this this animal. Uh, right. You've got a little you've got a different way to uh, go about that. If you would talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we call it the heart of the champion sale. Um, and I guess some of the the coolest things that have happened in my life is when God kind of gets you down and is really shaking you up. And this is one of those ideas that birthed out in one of those moments and. Um, I wanted a way to to not just sell to families, but to to create relationships and and get the kids involved and take ownership in their project. Um, we had done a couple sales uh, prior to this Heart of Champions sale, and the, the neatest thing right at the beginning was. Whenever I have my sales sheet, like at the end of the sale of who bought what, right? Mm -hmm. And you have, you know, lot one, and you either have a trader's name or a guy's last name or the dad's name. And then whenever we finish the first Heart of Champion sale and I'm going through the lots, writing down, you know, who got which one, it's lot one, Case Owens, lot two, uh, Colton Wigington, and it's the kids showing them. Uh -huh. and, and that was cool for me. And man, what it did was, I guess, for those of you that aren't familiar, rather than having a bid-off format, <coughs> we we set a sale date. So let's just go with, like, our sale now for the cows is June 7th. If we were having the steer sale at June 7th, I would start advertising them now, put the pictures out, invite everybody to come look at them, and the cattle would be priced uh, when you come and look. But there's two things. That price is not going to change, and if you like that calf at that price, you can't take him home that day. What you have to do is turn in either essay or video submission or both, um, answering three questions I had designated, and it was for every single person. And they would be questions like uh, define in your own terms what is, what is it to be a champion, um, which calves do you like and why, um, you, you know how to how to scars in your life define you things like that and they would submit their deal say okay I want lot one and here's my submission 
And so everybody that wanted lot one, their submissions got graded. And the best submission got lot one at the price that was already designated. And so it's it's cool because the kids are like, yeah, I won lot one. And he takes that. That's my kef right from the beginning rather than, um, you know, in a lot of situations, the dad's pumped up about going to buy steers. No one else in the family really is. He comes home. He's pumped up about the one he brings home. And no one else even goes and messes with it for two weeks. Right. In this deal, it was the kids got involved and took ownership right from the beginning. And what happened was they maintained it all the way through. And since we started the Heart of the Champion sale, there's been a breed champion come out of that sale every single sale. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. It's, yeah. It's very, very rewarding um, and in many aspects that sale is. Yeah. I think that's a that's a great idea. I talked to a guy a couple of, uh, weeks ago, and and they've got one where he'll they'll write an essay and and he'll give scholarship money towards towards his yeah. animals. But uh, yeah. but this deal they're already said, and and they have to. Do you see some competitiveness uh, oh, coming with that? Hey, hey, so in a deal like this, we're selling fifteen kevs, and they'll that first year we had sixty submissions, second year seventy five, and so. There's 15 kids going to get a calf, and you got to call 50 of them and say, hey, it didn't work out. Oh, wow. Those are tough conversations, and for a couple of years, there were some friends lost on the deal from, you know, parent to parent and me to parent, and it was, it was not the easiest of <laughs> situations. But, man, just it's, it's a lot about life. I mean, those kids, it's like a job interview. Um, they're going to get told no in life, and they're going to have to to show effort and sell themselves to get the things that they want. And um, I know parents kind of want to coddle and think that their kid's the best at everything, and it was a way to get the best out of them. And if they didn't get the best, there's someone else that would. All right. That is that is great. Uh, yeah, that that's that is one of the coolest things I have I have ever heard about about selling animals and and getting those young people yeah. involved and it I, it amazed me that they would actually do it. I mean, I would have I would have written an essay to get a calf because I was just crazy about the cattle like that. But man, there's a lot of people that don't want to do those extra things, and I found out the ones that do do the extra things they do the extra things the whole way through their project, and and that's why they have success. Yeah, like you said, the ownership, and, and they take yeah. it home, and they own it, and they're like, hey, I, you know, I had to fight to get this one, and right. it, it wasn't it wasn't somebody else's money or, or maybe even their money, uh, but right. I had to fight to get this one and, and had to do something extra, and that's really awesome. So we've got this breeder sale, and, and now you sell some genetics, sell some females. Uh, you're you're going to sell some of those things uh, in this sale. And uh, I, I want to give you some time to, to go through those. Uh, I know you've, you've sent us the videos and, and got the pictures done. And, and uh, man, these, these cattle are, are not, they're, they're not really something that, that I'm used to. Uh, right. but, but I can appreciate good livestock. And, and yeah. uh, these, these cattle are, are really just really outstanding and, and uh, just uh, uh, 
I appreciate where where you started and what you've done and, and what it's taken to get to where you are and and now you could offer everybody genetics and and uh, yeah. I just I just think these these cattle are outstanding and I, I'm interested and excited for everybody to to one hear this and and when we put the the podcast video together and and everybody be able to see these animals and yeah. and uh, go to SC sales and and look at those so. Uh, if you would, uh, let's let's kind of start down and and, um, and and we'll talk about these and and they may want to come look at these again. You say you're you're at Sweetwater, Texas, where yep. it's West Texas. Kind of give yep. us a little bit more uh, information. Where is that? Um, we're in West Texas, about two hours due south of Lubbock, and about forty forty five minutes west of Abilene. Okay, all right. Uh, a lot of the club, a lot of the club calf people, rather than Abilene, we're about 40 minutes west of Anson. Anson's where the Godfather, old Brandon Horn, is. Okay, all right. So, so go go see him and go see you and and uh, do that yeah. all at the same right, same time. Yeah, go go see him and then come to the bright side and get you some American stuff over <laughs> here in Sweetwater. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Do you do you find that that there's some of those young people that you have to com- kind of compete against those other guys that are your friends that, that sell those those different kinds oh for sure for sure um there's there's man this deal's gotten so crazy there's competitiveness in every corner every aspect of it and if you're not winning it most of them you're getting left behind so it's uh it's fun and a lot of them are my friends so there's some good quality trash talking going on. Right, and I was going to say those guys probably harass you about about your cattle just a little bit, and, and oh, yeah. uh, maybe you harass them about their cattle just a little bit because because a different way, uh, di- different attitudes, different uh, just yeah. just different things, different one different clipping style. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, you sent those pictures to us, and Brandy was looking at them, and she's like, "What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, with the the quartered out circles. Yeah, and I don't know why that ever came about or became a thing, but I tell you what, it is the difference between unsold and sold. As soon as they get that haircut, man, it it people can see them for whatever reason. I guess it's just they've seen them that way for so long um, that they one they know they're American and then they can relate to them. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I saw it a couple of years ago, some of the Facebook posts and things on some of those cattle sale deals, and yeah. I was kind of interested. I was like, I don't understand. They leave half the hair on them, but, but they, right. they cut half the hair, and, and uh, that's, yeah. really, <laughs> that's really different from, from yeah. I guess, uh, a, a lot of our background, you know, some of us northern guys and, For sure. and uh, eastern guys. They're, they're like, well, I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand what that is. Well, just know we don't understand it either, but we do understand when people want to buy them, so <laughs> right. we do it. Right. When when in Rome, and and uh, you got to do the Roman, do the Roman right. way, and and uh, do what your customers want, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, that that's good. And uh, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit. Um, uh, we talked again. We talked about the the steer sale, and and I wanted to hit on this again. We're we're putting these cattle off just a second again, but but this this COVID nineteen thing pops yeah. up and yeah. and so you've had a uh I, i'm gonna say a couple of interesting days here in in the past couple of months and things yeah so um our s- steer selling season is you know about that first week of march to now and as everybody knows um 
it's been on lockdown, economy's been shut down, COVID's been doing steer shows, fairs, uh, those major shows were, were shut down. Fortunately, we were able to have Fort Worth and San Antonio, uh, but we didn't have Houston, Austin, San Angelo. Um, well, we did have Angelo, but didn't have Houston and Austin. Those are big ones. I mean, Houston, they they give a lot. I mean, it's like over four million that they give out to straight back to the, the steer exhibitors, and um, that they shut that down like the very first weekend we start selling steers, and so we're sitting here like, man. Um, but these families have a lot of resolve, and and um, we're able to work with a lot of good families and, and move more than we ever had. And so we're excited about where the industry is. We're excited about the people we get to work with every day. And um, I'm excited to, to continue raising them. Right. Good. Yeah. And then, and you've got the steer sale and you're leading into this female sale. Let's lead into, yeah. uh, let's lead into that thing. And, and uh, we'll talk about some of those again, June 7th, SC sales. Uh, you, you're, you're going to offer some genetics this time. And uh, why, why go from, from offering steers to, to offering genetics? Yep. So uh, really a few years ago, I just started offering, um, some bulls and heifers for sale and and it's one of those things where everybody's like why are you selling them you know especially in a niche market you kind of want to hoard that stuff and um i just you create more customers you get to work with more people and you get to to uh help generate cash flow whenever i mean that steer selling is only two or three months out of the year mm -hmm. so uh to make it from a hobby to a business, you got to generate cash flow. And like there's some of these in here. I know we talked about earlier. Ten years ago, I was only dreaming of owning some of the ones that are in this sale. And so it's very humbling for me to be able to have that type of quality that I'm offering for sale. And um, I'm excited for what they can do. Uh, if they stay here, I'm I, I'll put them to work and they, they'll work. I mean, they're just, they're good stuff and I can't wait to see what they can do for other people. Three years ago, when I had my first breeding stock sale, um, one of those was a baby bull calf we sold that stayed a bull for the broses. He's got a future donor prospect daughter in this sale. We, uh, we sold a bull that was a consignment um, from Reese Hagen down in Yoakum. And that bull's first calf crop, he made the champion ABC in Fort Worth. And um, there's been a, a couple donors for other people that were sold in that sale. And, and um, it sounds cliche, but this quality that we have coming in this one doesn't even compare to anything we've sold in the past. So I'm excited about what they can do for whoever gets them. All right, yeah. And we are talk we're talking American breed, uh, yeah. American breed have, cattle. We do have one exotic, so if y'all Yankees want to watch the American deal and then bid on the exotic, that would be the best of both worlds. <laughs> uh, there you go. We we can uh, – she's – we used her to make some American matings, but we also used her to make some exotics. She's a phenomenal one that came out of uh, Brandon Horn's deal. You'll find her at lot two, but she's pretty special as well. Tell us about let's, – let's get into these things. Tell us about this this lot one. Lot one is the lone uh, bull in the sale. Um, 
and he's a, a promotional bull of mine. I got him from Glenn Martin. Glenn Martin's kind of a closed herd kind of guy. He doesn't let his genetics out. And last year they had a bad flood, created a lot of damage on his place, so he needed to create some cash flow and, and sold some bulls. Um, and I jumped on this one, man. I've never seen one this big-footed, stout skeleton, just massive, thick creature that was still so perfectly structured and sound and, and could just cat around, and he's in the prime of his life. Um, he's a bull that we used last year. I used him on a variety of types and kinds of cows to figure out exactly where I want to use him, and so now I'm offering possession and 50% semen to you, and I'm going to uh, continue to AI and flush to this bull. Yeah, he is. Yeah, get a get a load of this picture. Get a load of these uh, this video. I mean, this this guy, he's he's the real deal. I was out. Uh, we were actually out working on the haymower a little bit earlier, and Brandy was going through those. She goes, "Check him out." I stopped yeah. what I was doing, and and I said, "Boy, that's a, that's a flat good one right there. He is stout. He's cool." Mufasa, the king of the jungle, baby. Yeah, and he does. He cats around there. Uh, really cool, and it sounds like uh, it sounds like Lawson. Lawson's right there around him. <laughs> yeah, he uh, Lawson has no fear. He stands two foot tall, but thinks he's twenty foot tall, and he he just tell him no, pop him right in the nose, and and if you don't watch him, he gives his mom a heart attack. She doesn't like coming around whenever he's with the cattle because he'll be under him, behind them, on him. It doesn't matter. And Mufasa just kind of rolls right with him, huh? Man, Mufasa's crazy. Whenever you walk up on him, he'll look at you and you think you're about to get smoked and he's never done anything mean in his life but he is intimidating i guess it's just his size and he's stout <laughs> he's so stout and cool yeah go ahead we got this uh we got a baldy we got a baldy cow for for your lot too yep oh panda what this what tag number that, we got here she's uh 3721 okay she was actually a twin horn kept uh kept one and and sold one with uh, Jason Holder, my partner in Bonanza. He acquired this female uh, a few years ago, uh, kept a heifer out of her. She lost her bull calf. Uh, we took, we were working some cows while she was in labor and took too long to get it out. Red motley face at 11,620 killed us to lose that one, but turned around and flushed her this fall. She produced 16 and eight, I think, uh, in those two flushes and, we transferred a lot of those, so we have some pregnancies coming out of her. We're excited to get, um, and now she's bred to return to gold. So you got in in that calf in her belly, you have Earhart, who a lot of um, great females in the Texas club calf world have generated from that Earhart herd. You got 721 which is one of their all-time greats, and you got 825, which Horn now owns, which is one of the most phenomenal cows anybody will ever lay their eyes on. In that, Both those cows are going to be in that calf coming in that cow, and he should probably have some white and be chromed up, but we're real pumped up about that mating. Oh, yeah, good deal. Lot three, tag three, right? Lot three, tag three. This one, this one is kind of the uh, the heartbeat of the sale. So we've talked about how I raise Americans, but we also talked about how I worked at V8 and, and love the Brahmin deal. Ever since I was little, I don't know why, but I've just been infatuated with Brahmins. And so 
kind of my biggest niche in this steer world is I raise Americans, but primarily um, I concentrate on those uh, our Brahmin breed classification, which they show uh, they have to classify to appear to be half Brahmin or more. Mm-hmm. And typically people do that by using a Brahmin bull on an exotic cow like your lot two or getting a uh, Brahmin cow and using an exotic bull like in God We Trust and making half-bloods that way. The only problem is down here in Texas, this is, deal's gotten so competitive, there's no other breed that hardly uses a pure breed to make their steers. There's no half Charlays, there's no half semis, and that stuff being used. It's crossbred on crossbred and just as, you know, juked up and perfect as you can make one crossing those crosses and so nobody's ever really done that in making a Brahmin and so I've dedicated the last 10 years to keeping females and breeding with that in mind and so this is one of your first multi-generation half-blood club calf genetic pairs that has ever been made I guess uh, the calf on on the side of this cow is sired by the rock. We're selling some semen down here uh, on him in this sale. The rock's a half-blood bull that at three months old demanded half-interest $20,000 price tag. Um, he's just a phenomenal creature. And the cow is a flushmate sister to the champion Brahmin last year at San Antonio Stock Show for the Owens family. And that was a Woodrow on Cessna. So that was made not by using a purebred Brahmin parent uh, like we talked about. So in this calf, who I would say is a pretty good bull prospect, um, you have a multi-generation half-blood mating that can put you years ahead of anybody else trying to do the same thing. Good deal. Like stepping out and, and doing something different. Yeah, yeah. Recreating the wheel. I like it. I like it. What what we got next here? Oh, next would be another pair. And this this pair, uh, both of these are first calf pairs. Um, and I just want to note, look at the condition of the cows of their udders, the condition that they're in themselves, and the bloominess of their calves for it being their first ones. And this red cow, she calved and looks like she's about to lay down and have twins still. Um, she's huge bodied whenever she gets bred back and in good shape she's gonna not be able to fit in a shoot if you want mass and soundness and functionality and cowiness I don't know what else you'd want in one she's half red Angus half Earhart American raised by Chris Black the calf at side is out of one of um, uh, one of Chris's R.A. Brown Red Angus bulls and so the calf is three-quarter red Angus. And for us clubby guys down here in Texas, he's red. He's three-quarter Angus. He weighed probably 40 pounds when he was born, and he is built real good. So if whether you want to show him in a red Angus deal or whether you want to make him a red-hided heifer bull, I think that one has a lot of value, the one walking around nursing that cow. Right, and that's, uh, that's tag six, right? Tag six, lot four. Yep. Tag six, lot four. Yeah, make sure you check those videos. Check that video out, and if you're uh, if you're watching the podcast video, why we've got it up for you. But if not, make sure you go check that out. Lot uh, lot five, we got a uh, uh, black one. 
Man, Lot 5 is a cool creature. Um, so Woodrow is the bull that got me started. I bought Woodrow before I ever even owned a cow. Um, I, I built my stuff around him, and this may be the best Woodrow female I've ever seen as far as taking. He was freaky stout. That bull's dead now, um, but he would throw some great breed characters as far as ears and sheath, but the biggest belly, biggest muscles you can put on one. This cow has the good, but has the best neck and the best back leg that a Woodrow has had. Um, and that comes from the bottom side of her pedigree. She's out of the 308 donor of Embry and Groskis, and they've had countless number of, of winners and high sellers and, and calves at brand at major shows, particularly Fort Worth out of that cow. This was her natural calf. And, um, she is as good as what her picture is. I, I like that one a great deal. Now, she is open. She had her first calf this winter. I put her with the bull, and I pulled the bull off early because I either wanted to back her up where she would have a September, October, or I wanted to be able to hold her open, flush her, and then breed her back to calf on time. And so now I'm offering you that opportunity. She's open, ready to flush, not a problem in the world, um, just ready to start getting into production for you. So nothing, nothing by her fault at all, uh, for her Correct. being open. Yeah, good, good point, good deal. Uh, lot six, tag seventeen. All right, now this one is another Woodrow out of a great cow. Horn actually gave me a uh, graduation present when I graduated Texas A&M, and it was a flush in his seven twenty-five donor. Flushed her to Woodrow, and kept this female. She's skinny. Uh, she was on a South Texas lease that had um, more brush and, and rattlesnakes than it did grass. Um, but she's a great producer. We flushed her one time to Gup. Uh, Gup semen's hard to come by. We have some of that uh, in this sale. And in that flush, she made four heifers. They sold for 4000 a apiece. Um, two steers, one for 7500 one for 3500 Um her last heifer was sired by a Brahmin bull. She sold for 3000 and she is about to kev to that same Brahmin bull right now. Um, she's a great producer, has no problems. Her biggest problem is she's skinny, and with feed, that is guaranteed to change. Right, yeah. Sagebrush and rattlesnakes, she doesn't look too bad. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> she kind of, she, and then she's one of those you can, you know, she had to make her way, and, uh, and yeah. she sure has. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she she may be thin, but but uh, with with, she's with nothing like that, she's she's got enough. Yeah, she's got a really neat look to her. Yeah, she's really cool. We got a story on on this next one on this lot seven. <laughs> oh yeah, black leg. She's named Blackleg, and, and I said in my footnote she is a Blackleg survivor. Just see how many people called and asked if she really had it. <laughs> <laughs> but she was just born, looked like she got spray-painted on one leg. Um, but this female, not only is she just cool to look at, but she's in the prime of her life. She's bred to have her second one. Um, the one that's inside her is a full sin to her first one, and that was a replacement heifer. Uh, she is a full sister in blood to a female that sold in my very first breeding stock sale. And that female's second calf 
just uh, demanded a price for half interest, ten thousand to to be a promotional bull. So um, these genetics work. I've had full sib steers to this one that have branded and work. So uh, uh, if in her picture and video, she's so gentle we couldn't get her to cock off and take just a killer picture and, and strut around. But if you come and see them, I promise you, she's one that you're going to write down. She just built good. She's the right kind and, and has the genetics behind her to perform. Yeah, she's got that, that leg. You're, you, she stands out. That's, that's so yeah, cool. You can't miss her. <laughs> I've never seen one like it. And then on the inside, it's as dark on the inside as it is uh, on the outside. You watch that video and you're like, what the heck is that? It, it looks like she got spray painted. Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's really cool. She's really cool. Colton, what else you got in here that, uh, that you want to tell us about? Yeah, so that's the first seven lots, and eight through 15 is also live lots. Um, there's a couple bred cows, um, and there's some in there that, that you know, like we talked about earlier, when you, whenever you change this thing from a, a hobby to a business, you have to really be clicking on all cylinders. And one of the best things I ever did was make my recip cows the best quality that I could afford them to be. And there's a few cows in here, um, a few of these breads and a couple of these bread heifers that I think are perfect examples to uh, uh, have that you can put an embryo in them and then put a bull right back on them. And whether they take that embryo or whether they get bull bread, that they're going to have a good one for you either way. Um, I think it's just a great way to, to capitalize on uh, getting the b most bang for your buck if you're into the embryo deal, if not. They both have great tracks. You could AI them. You could put them with the bull of your choice. Um, there's uh, there's a couple young ones in here that have not been exposed to a bull yet. There's four open heifers. Uh, three of those are ready for a bull. Um, one or two of those, maybe all of those could be future donors. There, there's a little newt, um, a couple oros, and a stud duck. Those things are... Uh, they all have just real special pieces. One of them's painted up like a Holstein. She can make you a few different breeds, Simbraw and things like that. Yeah, I saw her. I saw her going through those videos. I thought, yeah. man, that's a stout one. That's a cool one. I was thinking, yeah. And you're right. She's painted up. I was like, yeah. I was like, now wait a minute. She look almost almost looks steiny, doesn't she? Uh -huh. <laughs> that that one's gonna come at you as lot thirteen, and she's one. She looks like she's bred, and she's just ready to. Uh, get bred for the first time um, she's a real easy keeper just bold sprung stout one but her color yeah it's wild you will not miss her and I imagine her calves will be fun to get some cool colors out of yeah she's a stout one she's cool yeah yeah, yeah great I, I'm not uh, you know I'm I'm, I'm not uh, myself I'm not exposed to the Americans much but uh, yeah. man, these, these cattle are cool. And, and, uh, this thing is so much fun, uh, doing these and, and seeing these videos and things. And, and just like we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not used to the Americans, uh, right. but, but man, these cattle are so good that, that it's opened my, you know, it's opened my eyes right. to that, uh, you know, just on a personal note and, and, I appreciate uh, that. And, and as I was telling you earlier, we, you know, like I said, this thing is so cool. We got goats on here the other night. And I'm not a goat guy, and and, <laughs> yeah. and they were so cool. And and so these cattle are, are just the same. And and uh, really, you know, really makes me appreciate uh, those and and what you guys are doing with those and and what you're doing with those. Uh, just yeah. uh, just really cool. 
there's I would expect that there's going to be some uh, American influence cattle that get pieces of the whole show at, at our Texas majors because um, they're doing it at county shows or they're the guys breeding these things have done such a great job that the quality is just I'd say in the last five to ten years just exploded where these things are just as good built and just as good quality as your Charlotte crosses and your exotic breeds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, absolutely agree with you. And and what a great way to start. Or if you're if you're not already into it, this would be a great way to start uh, with with Colton's cattle there uh, at uh, at this sale again on SC Sales. Hey, we do 7th. have we do have uh, in the semen sales some for your northern guys could be interested in this as well as the Texas. Um, you know, with Bull Nanza, we have that semen selling service, and we do have um, some semen on bulls that are no longer with us, and, and that semen is rare and hard to get. So we're going to offer some of those. Uh, one of those bulls is Crimson Tide, um, and the other one is Sacred Ground. Those yeah. two bulls are uh, are not only trendy and uh, the, their build, but also trendy in their color, especially for the, these Texas guys. Both are, are red and white, and um, we'll offer those. Uh, tombstone, uh, we're offering three lots of, of Tombstone. That's an American bull that is kind of a, um, a legend here in, in Texas. He's had great success for uh, Frankie Cattle Company, and uh, that not much of that semen has ever gotten out. And then that gut bull that works so good on that Peggy donor lot six. Um, he's had great success. We're offering some of him as well as the rock. The rock made uh, the calf on the side of the cow in that lot three that I'm so proud of, the multi-generation Brahmin calf. Um, so whether you're wanting a live one walking around, whether you're wanting frozen genetics, or uh, whether you're from Texas or up there in Yankee land, we'll try to have a little something for you. And and get to know a good guy. Uh, yeah. Get, get to know a good guy like Colton Thigpen, right? Oh, I guess. that That's that's the littlest uh, attribute that you'd get from the sale, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, I disagree. Uh, absolutely disagree. Just uh, what, a, what a great guy Colton is. And, and go to his Facebook and see some of those things that he's got on there. Uh, Colton, how can they get, if they need a little more information, uh, what, yeah. what else could they do? Yeah, so um, you can always call me, 830-426-1713. Um, call, text, or uh, uh, Facebook. I, I try to – that's my biggest avenue of advertising. Um, number and email, I think, is also on the SC Online Sales. Uh, I don't know what day we're going to have this podcast posted, but um, here – Sunday or Monday of this week, we should have the sale posted, and we'll, we'll get you a link for that. It'll be on our Facebook page as well. Um, my name on Facebook is Colton Thigpen, K-O-L-T-E-N. Thigpen is T-H-I-G-P-E-N. That's where I do most of the stuff, but also have the QB cattle page that I try to put the sale information on as well. Right, yeah, and, and I visited both of them, and you got great, great information on there, and, and great things. So, yeah, I wanna, yeah. I wanna invite everybody to, uh, 
invite everybody to go visit those as well. So, Colton, what else awesome. you got for us before we before we wrap this thing up? Oh, I guess uh, y'all just hard work and clean living. Stay after it. <laughs> that's great. That is, and you can tell that's what you're doing. Yes, sir. That's what you're doing, and, and that's if, really if, cool. If I didn't, if I didn't, Mama would come over here and slap me around a little bit. <laughs> Keeps right on you, huh? Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. She get lost and put down, and good to go. Oh yeah, he he made an exit out of his room, and luckily he didn't come in here. He dashed over to Mama's, and I'm sure I'll have to uh, get a butt chewing whenever I call in bed and wake both of them up. <laughs> All right, well we'll uh, we'll let you go do that, and and man, I appreciate you visiting with me uh, for this edition of Before the Bid podcast, and and telling us about these animals and, and your background, and what a great cool story. Uh, you have and and uh, what a what a great program you guys have going on down there thank you uh, in uh, Sweetwater Texas and uh, just want to wish you all the luck on this sale again on SC sales on June 7th and uh, with everything in the future and uh, we'll be uh, hopefully putting some more of these together yeah man thank you this is a, a great idea shout out to y'all and also shout out to the photographer that did yes. all the pictures yes. and videos for you uh, that's Morgan Messenheimer and she does a lot of stuff uh, in y'all's part of the world, um, she she resides in Texas but does a lot of stuff uh, up north. So y'all look her up. She does a great job too. Yeah, yes, she does. We were Brandy and I were commenting on that as well. That man, these are really really good pictures, really good videos. So yeah, yeah I, I'm glad you said that because uh, I did. I wanted to wanted to get that out. But uh, uh, yeah, she's uh, she's really really good. So Colton, appreciate it, man. Uh, hope hope everybody goes and, and checks out the sale and uh, maybe even break into something new. Yeah, there we go. Come on with it. <laughs> All right. Hey, bring 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 some rain if you are going to come visit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I do. We we talked just we talked very briefly on the on the start. This is not your first podcast. Uh, right. You were on the oh, shoot Ferris side Simon. podcast. Yep. Yep. Shoot side with Ferris. That was a that was a cool deal. Um, Ferris has a great deal going on. There's a lot of good information, different people throughout the industry. Great way to network. Um, I think it's cool that y'all guys are, are doing podcasts like this. I think the industry was hungry for it. Right. Yeah, and I listened to a lot of those the other day. I don't know what it is with, about working on that hay mower, but I was working on that hay mower, and I, I listened to two or three of those. So The uh, problem is y'all farmers think riding a tractor is working, but y'all can do 50 things at once because all you got to do is sit there. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Colton, uh, appreciate, appreciate it very much, man, and uh, been so much fun talking to you. And, uh, yes, sir. Likewise. We want to thank you guys for listening to another edition of Before the Bid podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Before the Bid. For more information and to learn more about upcoming podcasts and sales, visit us at beforethebid.podbeam.com or Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram pages. For information on being a guest on Before the Bid, please email us at beforethebid at gmail.com or one of our social media pages. Remember, that's beforethebid at gmail.com. Happy sales to you, and we will talk to you next time on Before the Bid.